Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Crush Fan Podcast. I'm your host, Cantherion, a.k.a. Chris Crush Jacob, because Chris Crush will make the ball jump jump. Tonight, we're going to talk about the most exciting playoffs ever, maybe a little bit of draft hype, maybe a little bit of awards hype, and really just reflect on what an amazing season it's been. The folks who have chosen to hang out with me on this podcast after dark. Let us start with Sports Ghost 95, a.k.a. Derek Rogers Jr. How's it going tonight? How about them kingpins, and how about Anchovy hitting that walk-off home run last night? How about those things, indeed? Potentially the hypest moments in the history of the Crush Fam. Love it. Glad to have you. Thank you. And we also have with us Wildfire Micro, a.k.a. Anchor Bell. How goes it tonight? I'm very tired, but I'm very excited to be on here. And judging from my last time on here, it's going to be a fun time. Wildfire on pure adrenaline, and uh, we will get lots of candid takes, I'm sure. I'm excited. Yeah. And then, of course... Uh, what would the podcast be without silent guests? And we have our returning silent guest, Sarah, a.k.a. Anchovy, locking it down with, again, perhaps the largest home run ever hit by a member of the Kingpins. And on her behalf, I would like to say, hi. She is a person of few words. <laughs> Unless, unless they're clever words or funny words, then many words happen. It's great. I'm, I know, I know what um, Hollow Live Girl her profile pic is from. Oh, okay. And that's um, and it's it's um, it's Amelia or something. Well, crap, I forgot. God, exactly how her name goes, but I know who she is. Oh no, it's Amelia Watson. Yeah, Amelia Nailed Watson. It. Nice. I'm like, I'm, anime I'm something. Kind of, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm kind of ashamed that I know that, but eh. For me, I mean, I've, I think I've mentioned this before on the podcast as well. I, I was huge into anime in college, and then um, it just got to a point where so many of those, those shows are just like gigantic, like 300-episode seasons, and I just wasn't able to commit to it anymore. Uh, because man, that's it. Just takes away from everything else. And when when I'm working sixty hour weeks, it's I gotta I gotta negotiate that time. But um, I wish I wish well, I could get back to that for sure. One piece MP4. <laughs> nice. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> one piece is like twenty thousand so, episodes, right? Like. <laughs> yeah. Um. I see. Have an anime character in ISFL, so I know. Fair enough. So yeah, we're gonna talk a little anime too. That's you know what we we talk about whatever strikes us in the moment. Speaking of striking in the moment, them kingpins. Holy cow! Let's reflect. I liked we were talking a little bit before we got started, and Sports Ghost mentioned you know what an amazing season, what an incredible run it has been this season. Um, I I think the bosses have both at some point said, man, this was supposed to be the rebuilding year, <laughs> like. 
what? <laughs> we have we have so many active rookies. Um, seven, I think seven of our our members are rookies or our starting core. It's it's insanity. It's actual insanity. And then to have this kind of success where uh, easily the greatest record we've had, like it wasn't even close. <laughs> Um, and the run differential was actually, I think it was the second best, but still really good. Uh, so performing essentially mostly above expectations, but also even if we hadn't, still would have been a good season, still probably would have made the playoffs. Um, so, you know, I've, I've been with the, the team, I've been with the team for three seasons, and I can tell you that that rookie year coming up and getting into the World Series was a pretty exciting feeling in general. Um, starting with you, Sports Ghost, since you introduced the topic accidentally or on purpose, I don't know. Um, what what has the season meant to you? How have things been for you with the Crush Fam, and um, and and what are you looking forward to? I'm gonna be real honest with you. I did not see the draft, and I went back and watched it when I first started posting about the uh all for rogers jr at least when i first started talking about it i was shocked to find out that i talked to you guys kingpins that is um i had didn't you have you guys on my uh draft board i do apologize about that it kind of haunts me yes but what can i say other than it was the greatest mistake i've ever made <laughs> that was i that I just sorry, just a quick interjection. That was um, it was really funny because you know I'm in the the war room, and the we we did the pick and then went oh crap, he just posted a media and we're not on the list. He might not want to play for us. <laughs> it was a big oh no moment. So I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that it was just uh, one of those things where you hadn't. Maybe you hadn't gotten that great interaction with us, or maybe it just hadn't stood out in the moment. Um, that's totally fine. Because, like I said, literally we were afraid, like, oh, crap, are we going to have to trade this guy right off the bat? How's this going to work? Well, coming into Chicago and playing for these kingpins, I've done my best to be one of the greater team players. I've, I'm looking at our win-loss record right now. Comparing it to last year this being my first season with the team that team i believe won 54 games last season I'm not sure uh 57 and 49 i believe so it was our first winning season ever so two seasons ago it was even money last season it was a winning record um, and both of those were records for the team the team had never had an even record it had always been below 500 before two years ago, uh, two seasons ago, and then last year again trumped it by actually winning. I'm just looking at how good this team was this year because the Pythagorean record shows us to have finished 62 and 46 instead of what we finished at. We demolished last year's win loss by plenty. We finished 67 and 41 and we played 32 it's not i don't think it's the most it could be but we played 32 one-run games and we finished 
with 22 of those being victories. As the most wins out of anybody in one-run games. This team was great from the top to the bottom. You had Benson, you had Gunk, you had Lemonade, you had Luciano coming out of the bullpen, Schumacher, Mixon, Rogers Jr., Inkerbell. Oh, man, I feel like I'm missing people. But that team this season was the best ever, in my opinion. Uh, did, did you miss Chovy? Oh, yeah. Chovy on offense. You've got Hulk, even though he wasn't the most patient hitter at times. You got Duncan. You got Gofford. You got McCoy. Alex Frank. Oh, man, what a team this was this season. Hope decides to be some pain- of them. Hmm? Hope decides to be patient at a good team, though. Yeah, the one time Hope decided to be patient. That mo- that home run will go down in Kingpins and maybe even with Steed's history as the best moment for the Kingpins and the worst moment for the Steeds. It's, uh, Go ahead. It, it's, I think that's an infamy in that regard for the Steeds. Right. <laughs> well, you can never say, I can never say this enough. It was the greatest mistake I made. You guys in the war room were worried about trading me, but I am perfectly okay with staying with this team. Whether they win this series or not, I am with this team. Love it. Love the attitude. Yeah, like I said, it was, we were just afraid. We were like, uh uh-oh, something, you know, and it's one of those things where the the most important thing to me in the PBE is culture fit 100%. And if if someone isn't gelling, if someone isn't like, you know, enjoying the culture or uh, feeling things in the locker room, like get out, <laughs> you know. It, the whole thing is this is a game, right? If you're if you're playing the game and it's not fun for you, find a way to make it fun, uh, because we want you to stick around in PBE, right? The more the more engaged people we have, the better things are for everyone. So if we're not a good culture fit, let's find you one that is. Um, I'm, I'm ultimately glad that we were, but um, it would have been no hard feelings if we weren't for sure. I'm going to be honest. Sorry, Micro. I'm going to be honest here. The guys who wanted me most were the Hebcats. The Hebcats wanted Derek Rogers Jr. to be set up in their bullpen. And I know Enoch. Enoch's already tried scouting Rogers Jr. for the Voyagers recently. Enoch's a good guy. Oh, he's a nice guy. And um, I know one thing for sure. There's no place I'd rather be than be the setup man for this team because even though my record was 72 with five saves, I know starting off at the beginning of the season, my performance wasn't the greatest. And if I was my own manager, I would have said, this guy needs to be traded or needs to be moved to long relief so he's not blowing these leads but in all honesty i still believe that it's not my play air that had the most benefit for this team it's everybody played their part yeah 
I mean, that's that's again, that's kind of how those runs happen. How that the the miracle of, of what this season has been came together was because the, the numbers just aligned, and there's something. I, uh, may, can I say I have a name for it? Go for it. The Windy City Miracle. The Windy City Miracle. So how has it been for you? Right. Oh, and and uh, also apparently Sarah ghosted a team. I'm not sure if there's a story behind that, but um, ghosted two teams. Well, it's a, two teams. Is it ghosting or is it select being selective? I mean that's. Oh, it was the Swiss teams. Wow. Allegedly busy. Allegedly busy. I don't. I can't confirm or deny that. <laughs> Uh, but wildfire, how has it been? You know, how's the season been for you? What are you know? What's the the expectations coming in here? And uh, why do you think Sarah thinks it's so important to let us know that she actually has a life, unlike some of us? Well, to be honest, I didn't know what the well. Sorry, to give me a moment. Um, when I came back to PBE from a previous player that didn't. That didn't really go far with. I wasn't sure who would waver me. I I thought he thought it would be KC because he bought talked a little bit about it, but you guys got to me first, which I heard KC was a little mad at, but or it might have been someone else I didn't know, but went to Chicago with no expectations that I didn't know anything about them. Um they the DM like Pirate Captain Dawn instantly became a good friend of mine because his Ryan Broom stuff helped me realize what who Inkerbell could be. And Jess, of course, helping me with the um helping me with the interview media to set up who Inkerbell was. So a lot of people and alum, alumni here helped me set up my thoughts of Inkerbell. And I didn't honestly expect we would reach the heights we did. I thought we would make the playoffs, but just the incredible reach to the World Series to win was probably my first forum title, forum lead title. Just incredible. I love this team. Inkerbell, I think, finished the 3-0 record. But she was, like, way down the bullpen, used sparingly, so... It's just incredible what we were able to do. Yeah, no, definitely. I'm glad, uh, you know, the, a big thing for us on, on the podcast, and I think in the locker room in general, like the Dom has been a really great addition to the team in, in a lot of ways. And it's because of him that we've really put an emphasis on role-playing and player engagement. So, it you know, the whole creation station thing was really his... Uh, his brainchild, to be honest. I mean, it's um, it's all because of that interaction I had with him talking about talking about D and D and talking about role playing, and uh, the reason why he he's been one of the more recurring guests on the podcast uh, consistently is because he's he's just super engaged on creative writing and creativity in general. So I'm glad that you've gotten uh, that interaction with him. I'm, I'm glad that that has been the positive culture for you as well. That's that's a really cool thing. One good thing about this whole, one good thing that sorry, one good thing that really made me happy with the writing prompts, which 
It has, there's only been like two so far, but they've both been really good writing prompts that help me get a feel of what I wanted to do. Yeah, I think with, um, it's tricky, right? So obviously like he wants to help out and, and participate in everything, but it's also, you know, it's, it's, he's doing creative writing almost on a limb to make those. Like he's asked me for help with them a little bit, but um, I've only added like a couple of minor notes to them. So it's a lot of work for him and it's a lot of writing for him. So we don't want him to get burnt out, but at the same time, Dom, you know, anytime you want to do a writing prompt, I think everyone's on board. I think that's the general sentiment. We'll go with that. Yeah. But yeah, what a season. And um, yeah, the, I mean, we, we've kind of already covered most of it, but what a playoffs. Um, I mean, again, it, it's impossible for us to not do three and one, as rude as it may be, because there are so many of us who are Cubs fans in this locker room. So, um, so that was the first thing that came to my mind. And then the way that that final game played out, man, that was that was shades of Game Seven. That really was. So, um, yeah, just the the way that everything landed and played out was. There's a reason why a lot of people would consider the 2016 World Series like top five World Series of all time. Um, and I, I honestly, I think that this is this is easily the most exciting playoff series that I've witnessed. Uh, since since joining the PBE. This is only my fourth season, but um, yeah, definitely been a roller coaster of emotions and kind of emphasizes, you know, people say things like Sim gonna Sim, right? Kind of emphasizes that just that level of variance and randomness that can uh, come about because of how the, the engine works. Uh, so Sports Ghost, what do you, what's your, do you have any background with the OTP at all? Have you, have you played with this at all? I've been playing since 19. Oh, there you go. Okay. So so coming into it, you kind of had a, a knowledge and an idea of your character. Have you been playing Perfect Team? Oh, I've been real good at Perfect Team. I've always been very active in Perfect Team because I am actually a part of the double uh, OTP developments group over here on Discord. I... Don't play out of the park as much, but for the first three seasons, I was always active. I know the team in uh, 21 right now, my perfect team is still in gold, I believe. So they're still silver or gold, so they're still working their way up. But I let that stuff, I mostly like the uh, live gameplay and everything, being able to control my rotation and my bullpen because... That way, if you're in a one-run game or you need a high-leverage reliever, you go and get them out of your bullpen. Yeah, the extra level of strategy, I think, is pretty appealing. You know, a lot of people get a baseball management sim game so they can actually manage baseball games. I totally understand that. I, I enjoy perfect teams so much because I feel like I can spend 20 minutes putting my team together and then go to work and then come home and just, like, see a bunch of really cool stuff that I didn't know was possible. Like it's, it's, I feel like it's a maximum uh, reward for minimum effort is a lot of what draws me to perfect team, I think. But, um, but yeah, so the engine, you're kind of familiar with it. Um, have you watched like OTP streams at all? Oh, plenty, plenty, plenty. Right. Because when you watch the, uh, 
out of the park baseball streams you actually if you have your twitch account connected you get to earn packs from perfect team yeah absolutely so glad to hear it so you're fully aware of uh of the the demolishing power of babip and uh, oh yeah and the bird profiles and all that stuff right well, I mostly look for because I've always been more of a because uh, I love the book Moneyball. I actually have Bill James's book somewhere here in my room that my mom actually got. I'm not sure if it was myself or my mom who bought the book, but I've had a good read of it and everything. And it teaches you about how important war is, how important the little misfit toy players are and everything and especially war and getting on base without the long ball especially yeah but like the long ball is so fun <laughs> the only reason you'd ever need home runs is if you're down in the game manufacturing runs will get you farther than anything else and that's why I've always considered making runs the hard way to be the better part of the game. So that way, you're down one run. Well, if you're down one run, it's easier to come back. But if you're down three, there's the old, uh, we'll take a walk, a bloop, and then a blast. Like what happened in our game seven, but... Again, we weren't expecting to be in that situation because after Mixon got, I think after Mixon got pulled in the ninth inning of game seven, I don't think a lot of us were expecting that in all honesty. When Ad, when D. Alcott got put in the game, a lot of us were wondering what happened. Yeah, and I don't have... So, so I did want to talk about the engine stuff a little bit. That was kind of the lead-up I was going for. So um, I don't have the fatigue numbers entering the game. I didn't download the previous day's file. So I couldn't tell you the exact state of the pen when that happened. But basically the way that the engine likes to do starters uh, and relievers is uh, based on your global settings and pitch counts. It's generally how it plays with things, right? And then um, and then it looks for specialist roles depending on scenarios and situations. So like our entire starting rotation is getting hooked around 80 pitches. That's like that's just our global setting, I believe. So looking at the strategy. Yeah, we have so our hook starting pitchers is one two. It's um it would be by the numbers considered minus three. So it's um, two dots away from quick. And our, our hook relievers is the same way. So starting pitchers will get hooked around 80 pitches pretty much every time. Relievers will get hooked either around, I want to say 30 pitches, or when they get into like any sort of trouble, like, like significant trouble. But... If they're set up as a closer, that role can override that. So if if you have a closer in the game, then even if you have better rested pitchers, that closer will stay in because that's the closer role. 
And usually it's the same way with the stopper roll as well. So stopper or closer are interchangeable as far as the engine is concerned. That's weird. I mean, it's it's kind of old school, right? No, no, no. I was just going to say it's kind of old school, right? That mentality of like, my I'm going with my closer no matter what. It's not really the modern game, but it's kind of how baseball was for a long time, right? Right. Yeah. I'm just looking at... The, I know we're going to be talking about Game 7 a lot, but I'm trying to look back at the box score and see if you were correct about the 80 pitch limit. Let me yeah, see he was here. he was at 84. Yeah, he was at pull? 84, so he was kind of laboring as he got to his fourth. Yeah, he got through four, and then the Schumacher came in. So Schumacher actually threw 40 pitches, so the game gave him kind of a long leash, I should say. Yeah, it's interesting because he was set to, and again, this is the sim file that I have now. So these, I think these things changed during the sim, um, but he was set to normal usage, and Kingpin was set to more often. So it's possible that Kingpin was fatigued coming into the game. Looking at the fatigue levels of the pen, um, like pretty much everyone is gassed. <laughs> like the entire pen is exhausted right now. Um, the Even only Bell. pitcher who has anything left is Gunk, who is a starter. Um, so yeah, that that's that plays into it as well. If if the game is trying to find the best chance at winning, it's going to look for the most rested pitcher as well. So even if you have usage options like we do, where it's like use more often normal usage or avoid high leverage, those kind of get ignored if you're use more often is is exhausted getting back even, to that sorry go ahead even bell was tired yeah the thing i find the most interesting is and this goes back to uh the steeds they pulled their starter after just 88 pitches he was throw. They were only down at the time 3-1, and he had just gone through. He hadn't finished the sixth, and then they brought in one pitcher to throw seven pitches, which I really don't get because you got got you had potentially. I'm not sure how fatigued the guy was, but I think Dirty could have gone at least another couple batters at least because. And they burn their closer. They bring their closer in to pitch two innings. And then he's thrown 38 pitches. He's heading into the ninth inning, bottom of the ninth inning. Mixon was in the game. He ended up throwing two innings, but he didn't, he up to that point had not given up a run. But based off of what happened in the ninth, he was charged for three runs, even though he did well. And D. Alcott actually blew the lead in the ninth, but. I think if State College, and this is a what if, if they take T2 out of the game, I think he doesn't walk those two batters being Duncan and Hulkenvettel, and then Chovy doesn't come up with two on in the bottom of the ninth. Yeah, and they actually have, um, they went with three stoppers. So they actually had a lot of different options out of their pen, but, I mean, they were all exhausted. 
So, I mean, they were sitting with T2, uh, John Smoltz III, and Cap Keeler. Um, and, yeah, they were all tired coming into it. Cap is, like, slightly rested now. <laughs> but uh, they didn't have any... Again, it's it's when the engine's trying to find this stuff, it's like, well, what's the, what's the most rested? Because by the numbers, that's the one that's going to perform the most decently. And they were... They were none of, like, both of our pens were wiped. I'm going to be honest here. Sorry. I'm going to be honest here. If in this scenario, T2 is exhausted, he's coming out to pitch the ninth, the manager slaps him on the butt and says, go get him, kid. They're only, the Steeds were only up one run. And if I'm playing percentages, I know T2 was a lefty. I think Duncan was a switch hitter, so Duncan's batting from the right side against the lefty. He's, I don't know if he was all that great against lefties this season, but I think, let's see, Duncan. Yeah, T2 is slightly better against righties pitching, so he's one rating higher in stuff and movement. Yeah, let's see. Duncan hit 250 against lefties this season. Not as good. He was much better against righties, hitting two with a split of two fifty seven, three sixty six, three eight ninety eight. But I think it was his patience at the plate because he walked fifty four times all season, and had an on base of three forty two. So that was a major part of that. But then I look at Hulkenvettel because I know he struggled a lot this season. He was hitting just one sixty coming into. Uh, after last night's game, but he had 44 walks versus 75 strikeouts, and he actually was facing a pitcher. So I'm going to – another what-if scenario. If Smoltz gets brought in to face Hulkenvettel, that of Hulkenvettel getting a hit against Smoltz the third. Hulkin Vettel only hit 221 during the regular season against righties. And that's a that's even with hitting three home runs and driving 26. His on-base percentage was only 286 with a slugging percentage of 296. So his OPS plus was his OPS was 583 against righties. So there was obvious there would have been no chance. Yeah, I mean the the Again, looking at the fatigue, I believe T2 was the only option as far as stopper. I think he was the only one who was completely rested. And then again, with the stopper roll, the, the engine is basically saying, like, we're, you're it. This, this is where the game stops. <laughs> like, we're, you're, you're either going to win or you're going to lose. Um, unless you get to literally zero fatigue. And I'm going to dig a little deeper here. So if... T2 does get, even if T2 does get Hulk out, the percentage that the percentage would actually be, and I believe uh, Kansas not Kansas City State College's favor here, because I'm not knocking Chovy. I will not knock Chovy after last night's game because Chovy played a huge part in it, but. Based off of what Chovy was doing during the season, 
T2 was a lefty and everything. She had more hits against lefty pitchers, but was only hitting two, 251 with an on-base percentage of 288, OPS of 578. No home runs against left-handed pitching all season in 270 bats. Something yeah. to think about right there. Overcoming the odds. Rather incredible. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, Wildfire. I was, I was saying, yeah, I'm kind of fried right now. Just... I'm just... Just tired because you know. Oh yeah, if if you need to step away, no worries. Um, no, 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 I'm fine. I'm just saying, okay. Just saying, I'm trying. To, I was listening in. I didn't. I don't know what to. I was to say right now. Oh, you're fine. <laughs> I was just. I was looking at um, anchovy's profile and noticed that uh, we literally have a rating at every position. The anchovy just plays wherever. <laughs> like anchovy's a catcher, uh, if need be. You got a you got a nine catcher rating, so uh, really important to have you know your backup to your backup catcher. But um, yeah, I, I mean I, I think again the whole playoff situation was really unique and and it's a good like if you're looking for a study on how the OOTP engine handles things, this series is very telling, and it would be really smart of managers to examine this, pull it apart, and make sure that their team comes out favored in these matchups. There's a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff happening. Um, I know we... Sorry. Go ahead. So, I know that the series starts tomorrow. I'm very hyped for this, and I hope... Let's see. Series would start on... In game, that'd be I think October first. I'm not sure. So we don't know quite know yet who is starting game one of the World Series, but I have a feeling it's going to be possibly Jack Brady or Toasties from Kansas City facing either Gunk or Barry Benson, and I. I know he's a good teammate and everything, and I refuse to knock Benson because I know how good Benson is. But unfortunately, during the playoffs, he's just come unglued and has not had a great start this postseason yet. And in my opinion, I think he's due. I really do. Because giving up 12 earned runs just in three his three starts last round I think he's due to go six innings, giving up maybe one or two runs, and striking out at least seven batters. I think he's going to have a quality start in game one if he pitches. Yeah, I think that's a fun prediction. I would I would say that, yeah, the, the he's due for regression to the mean in a positive way. I would say Gunk is probably due for some regression the opposite way. And um, hopefully... The former is significantly better than the latter, significantly harder, and uh, and we see the B, who no one knows how he throws a ball, actually do well. Hopefully, it's going to be huge. 
Hopefully Anchor Bell does well. Yeah, just looking at, at the numbers, because I know we were talking about, you know, not a lot of opportunities, and that's a big part of it too, right? Only pitching in, in uh, 1.2 innings, but going, you know, zero ERA, you can't ask for more than that. Yeah. That's a pretty solid performance right there. But yeah, that was... Oh. Go ahead. We'll see tomorrow because I'm looking at the uh, Hebcats rotation right now, and they've got a good rotation. Davies was one of their biggest weapons. He's currently in their bullpen. But one of their Achilles heels looks like Maxwell Reed, who is who went 1-5 this season with a save. He's part of their middle relief. Their closer, or their stopper, Mr. Straight Gas Homie, appeared in 51 games. But the record the record is kind of showing because just based off of what I'm looking at with the Hebcats, they're a tough team to beat. Yes, they had the best ERA in baseball. They had the best batting average, best on base. There is weaknesses in this team, though. I'm looking at it right now. They have a great on base for a team, but their main weakness, the strikeout. Lots of players striking out. That that makes me excited. Yeah, that's uh lends itself towards success for our pitchers for sure. And uh yeah, hopefully the in game engine will seek to take advantage of their over-aggressive approaches. It's just... We only have to win four games before they do. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, right. and, we win, and we won eight games, they won four in the series, so it's possible. Yeah, I'm going to take a shot here, because... Sorry. Sorry, guys. But I feel like I can take a shot here. I'm not guaranteeing nothing. I'm not going to do a Joe Namath. That would be ridiculous. But I think the Hepcats are beatable because they had the much weaker division of the two of us. <laughs> Looking at yeah. the division right now, they had the much weaker division. They won their division by nine games over the next best person. We had to drag out our division to almost the last day of the season. Hepcats, they're getting all lazy and everything. Their best pitcher right now is Johnny, to Johnny Toasties, and then Jack Brady. But, unfortunately, Maverick Smoltz is their biggest weakness right now. The biggest weakness they have. Because in his last two starts against the Dynamos, he's gone 0-2 with an ERA of 11.74. 11 that may not seem like much. Maybe I'm just blowing steam. But in all honesty, if their offense does not provide run support for them, they become a beatable team, a very beatable team. Because that's the one thing that I stated before. The Kingpins are good in one-run games. They're 22-10. and 10. Remember that. And then I look at the record of the Hebcaps in one-run games. They are 
eight games under 500. They are 10 and 18. And in extra inning games, they were just one and four. Yeah, and then looking at uh, Maverick Smoltz, uh, his last loss before the playoffs was to the Kingpins. It was a 3-7 to seven loss where he gave up six earned runs in five innings. Guys, I, I, I got to go up there. I'm so tired. Oh, no worries. Thanks thanks for hanging out as long as you did. Sorry it was so late, and uh, like I said, we'll, we'll do it a lot earlier next week. All right, good night. Take care. Good night, Micro. Thanks for coming on. All right. Poor guy, I feel bad. It's like, yeah, we'll get started eventually. All right, yeah, right. <laughs> this is early for me, and it's only ten thirty for me, so it's like, there's no problem. Um, but yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, I think by the numbers, the kingpins have a lot of advantages with the results-based approach. Obviously, with a raw um, ratings approach, they they don't have as much of an advantage, but yeah, there, there's a lot of, it seems like a lot of the Hepcats pitchers don't focus on movement, and I'm hoping that means there's going to be some bombs. I mean, when you've got starting pitchers right. in I the 40s, right. like that, hopefully that the, the sim will reward us. I think you're right there, Mr. Chris Jacob, because looking at the rating stats, it takes it takes a while because you got technically they have five starters, five starters total in their uh, rotation. Bird Whistle, Brady, Davies, Smoltz, and Toasties. The one that would be the most problematic would probably be a. Uh, Let's see. Adam Mosley or well Maxwell Reed, he's the one who had the high ERA coming out of uh this season. He's the one with the highest ERA, but looking at his ratings, he's got the highest movement. And uh the second lowest stuff on the team. But he looks like he's just a junk baller, but he he's not built to last. The thing that would be most problematic for the Hebcats, I know I'm talking about them a lot because they're our opponent, but the main thing about that would be he has 89 stuff, 49 movement, and 55 control. If he starts losing control early and starts walking people, because he can go, his stamina is 41, he can throw at least an inning or two if need be. But his stuff is clearly better against left-handed pitching, and his movement as well. His movement is not good at all at 49. But the main thing the Hebcats have been using as their crutch has been their high velocity. Brady throws 98 to 100. Their closer, Homie, throws 99 to 101. Smoltz and Toasties both throw 98 to 100 miles per hour. But with low movement comes comes long home runs. They've got to remember that. They're not the best fielding team in the league either. Yeah, I think good points. Uh, it's definitely 
they've shown weaknesses, they've shown that they can be beaten, and we can only hope that the Kingpins will go out and take advantage of it, for sure. But yeah, it's going to be a fun series either way. Arms and... oh, sorry. No, I was uh, just going to say, it's, it's going to be a fun series either way. Uh, I will also be working tomorrow, so um, I will occasionally be jumping into Discord on my phone and seeing if there's hype or sadness. <laughs> and, uh, and unfortunately, I, I don't think my break or lunch will line up with watching the stream, but I will be here in spirit. Well, in Chicago, regardless of twenty six, it's the twenty sixteen World Series. Uh, in our series where we're at in PBE, the twenty forty one season, there's gonna be some hard palpitations. But looking at the Hepcaps, they can be beaten. It's just the fact that their offense is so good. But their defense, they're mostly a range-oriented team. Yeah, we'll see if, if oh, the that's an advantage okay. or not. Right. Yeah. That right. just means their outfielders have to have some speed. And I'm not too sure if they have the speed. If they have the speed, that's one thing. But let's see. No, not really at all. This team is strictly built around hitting the ball out of the ballpark. And I think that is going to be their ultimate downfall. You have, if you have a team like the Kingpins who have all these pitchers, myself included, who can throw the ball, certain pitchers have really good movement. Like Inkerbell has 52, Benson 61. Gunk has 53 movement. Dialcott, his movement's only 46. But his stuff against lefties, especially lefties, is really good. As is Lemonade. And then you got Luciano out of the bullpen, the lefty. You've got Mixon, who's got the saves record, 34 saves in a season. Yes, his record pitching-wise was not the best, but he was able to come in and put out fires. You got Kingpin, Pickle Pocket, and then you got Derek Rogers Jr., who was my guy, who came in and closed out, helped close out the, uh, let's see, that was the Steeds in Game 5 and Game 6 to help ensure that there was a Game 7. They've The teams that are facing off in this playoff starting tomorrow night it's essentially going to be pitching versus hitting. And it's going to be a great series because, for the most part, whoever scores first will win the game. Whoever does, good for them. But you don't want to fight an uphill battle, especially being that these are the two best teams. Nobody thought this was going to happen, but these are the two best teams in the league going head-to-head. And I am more than ready for it. Yeah, I think that's that's a really good point too. With the um, the home run numbers, the Kingpins being the the second best on the pitching side of home runs, only allowing ninety six all year, the second best in in the league versus the Hepcats who hit one hundred thirty three home runs, 
which was also second best in the league. So you've got th the stingiest rotation with the long ball going up against one of the the best with the long ball. Uh, so it'll yeah, it'll be interesting to see which one prevails, and hopefully it's the Crush Fam. Yeah, if it's the Crush Fam, we're gonna be drinking apple cider and we're gonna be ha dumping all over everybody. That's right. <laughs> uh, number one, number one thing. <laughs> I love it. I love me some apple cider. That's it. Um, so yeah, so so I want to get into. I'm excited for the playoffs. It's gonna be fun. I want to get into the scouting process a little bit, uh, since you know this that's happening now. The draft is happening behind the scenes, right, to get it ready for the the presentations and everything next week. Uh, and I know, so so Sarah's been super vocal about her feelings on the entire process and um, some of the nonsense that that she's had to partake in, uh, including but not limited to being scouted in the forums, which uh, I myself have also mentioned my frustrations at trying to communicate effectively beyond like JPTs, PTs, and, and like media posts. I feel like those are all appropriate things and easy things to flow onto a forum, but having like a natural conversation through a private message is it just feels a little cumbersome. Um, what's what's been your your scouting experience so far? Well, it's not whether or not I get scouted; it's whether or not I can help my teammates get scouted by these major league teams. Because I want to see the people who I've worked with on this team these teammates i want them to succeed as much as i do i am very team oriented and my number one thing is if you're going to scout me please make sure you have a set amount of questions and preferably if you're going to do it on the forum make sure that you if i don't see the notification unfortunately i'm not going to be able to do it I've been reached out to by, I know, New Orleans, Seattle, uh, let's see, make the Makos, San Antonio, Death Valley, a number of teams have reached out to me, and they've been very formal in the questions and everything, and they've worked very hard to try and get my attention as many, as well as many others, and I'm more than willing to try my best to get other people what they need because scouting otherwise i think it's better to inform the person on discord if they have a discord because that way the talking points in the communication will be much more fluid yeah i know that so i've been able to help out with scouting and drafting at the minor league level and a little bit at the major league level. I'm, I am in the Scorpions War Room as well. Um, I'm probably not as active there as I could be, but they they do ask me for advice or, or you know ask me to pitch in every once in a while and I'm glad to do it. Uh, I can tell you that from a scout standpoint, the biggest thing, I mean I mentioned it earlier, the biggest thing I look for is a culture fit. So I don't, I don't know, the questions that I ask don't tend to be geared towards like, hey, what will you change about your player? Um, or, you know, what will you do to help the team win? Because I'm more interested in the engagement in the locker room. 
And I think a lot of that is, well, it's something that I've always believed in regardless, you know, in, in my work life and, and my personal life, I do the same thing. But a lot of that is stuff that I picked up from Moosey and, and Degumpa was, you know, when, when I watched them scout and the people that they picked up. And I think this, that's a big reason this class has been, like this rookie uh, group for the Kingpins is, is the way that it is, is because they went after culture fits. And they weren't super concerned with picking the the players that like had the best builds for the team or were the most complimentary. They were just like, let's get a bunch of people who are going to be excited and invested. And it took them to the World Series. So I mean, there's there's something to be said about you know not just looking for the traditional. I need this spot to be filled, or I need this this type of arm or whatever. It's it's also important to to just get the people who are going to be fun to hang out with. <laughs> no, you're 100% right. I believe Gumpa and Moosey have both brought in a wonderful culture to this team because they were looking for they weren't looking for the player that fits. They were looking for this great bunch of people who are coming together to make a team great. They weren't looking for that one superstar or that one ace. They were looking for these people who they believe would mesh together well. And I don't think there's any room for a toxic personality or a selfish player on a baseball team. If that's the case, they will be traded to a team who should appreciate them because they don't appreciate their teammates. I think that's fair. Yeah, I think uh, definitely. I, I know that that's what the, that's the philosophy that the GMs have taken, and it's why, regardless of the record, there are a lot of folks who still engage with the team. You know, regardless of how they, how you know, where they may have gone after being a part of the Kingpins, they there are a lot of folks who are alumni who come and say hey every once in a while or interact with us that way, and it's it's because of that culture. It's that really great culture that we've created. And then, you know, I'm, I'm kind of on the flip side of it with the Scorpions. Not that they don't have a, a great culture, but they've definitely, part of their culture has been winning. So they've definitely, like, attracted players with that, saying, like, you know, hey, we're going to be perennial playoff contenders, um, or at least always in the hunt, so you should come and hang out with us. And also we're cool people. So it's kind of like a secondary, right? It's like, hey, we're going to win games, and we're also fun. And I think the Kingpin's approach has been opposite of that. It's like, we're fun, and hopefully we win as a side effect. Um, and I'm not sure I'm not sure if, if there's a better or worse way, but uh, those are just... It's It's been fun to be part of two different groups that have those two opposite philosophies. Do you Do you find a philosophy... Uh, one more compelling than the other, or do you have maybe your own philosophy that you really uh, like as as far as being scouted? Well, my one philosophy is because I played sports in high school. There's no it's and the tired cliche is there's no I in team. It's just like if you're on a field with eight other players and you feel like you're the most important one, are you gonna try harder? show your teammates how important you think you are or how good of a teammate you think you are or are you going to take a hot, the low road and be lackadaisical on the base paths, try and steal second when you're down seven runs 
or you're going to try and be this outrageous personality. If you want to scout, be scouted properly, show them that you want this. Don't be lackadaisical. Show them the full effort. Show them you're a team captain, a leader. Show them that you want this more than anybody else. That's how I think someone should want to be scouted. They shouldn't feel that they have to reach a certain achievement like batting left-handed or throwing left-handed at the same time. I think everybody has the way their way of doing things. That's just my opinion, though, about scouting. Yeah, that's fair. I think, you know, a big part of the DVS culture is also the fact that they're a lefty-favored park. So while you are not required to switch upon joining the team, you will be significantly more successful if you go with a left-handed bat, for example. Uh, but yeah, it's a, and, and for some people, that's a big... They're just like, no, I don't, I don't want any part of that. Or maybe they're like, I want to be right-handed, and so that just doesn't fit my character, and that's totally fine. That's all about... You know, it's that mesh of winning culture, but also culture fit. So, did they just? Is this someone who's going to gel with what we're trying to do? And the, if the answer is no, then then cool. That you know, they won't. That team will just pass on that that individual, and it works out. But I think ultimately, um, I would say that we do a pretty good job. Of, you know, kudos to the GMs in general for navigating all of those kind of minefields and figuring out what people are going to be fun and it's it's not often that you see that someone just didn't work out had to get traded it's usually people are getting traded because they need future value maybe they're not winning now there are occasional posts where it's like so and so is you know leaving this town because he hates it <laughs> but for the most part uh, they they are able to identify that stuff when drafting so that the culture kind of maintains and there isn't like a threat to it, right? There's nothing that can disrupt it. So I'm excited to see where all you guys end up. I'm excited to hopefully have my voice heard uh, in the Scorpions war room and, and we get a couple of folks I'm angling towards. But um, yeah, it's it's tough because we have so many really active rookies on the team and uh, there's no way we're gonna get them all. You know, I just I just hope we get a couple. <laughs> I'm really pushing for you guys. So um, it, hopefully hopefully I get some crush fam friends in uh, in Death Valley. That's that's my goal. Well, wherever I go, I hope they have a spot for me. And if they don't, I'm more than happy to stay kingpin for at least another season or two. That's the dream. Yeah, that's if expansion hadn't happened, um, I believe my player was going to stay down at least one more season, if not the full five. And that means that when you finally do get called up, you'll be in like the 1,000 TPE range. So having that extra time is huge. But um, yeah, but one, one last thing I did want to touch base on is the... Um, honestly, this is... The more I've thought about it, the more I've decided this is one of my favorite PBE moments ever was um, Anchovy saying that um, the Swift Steeds call her mom and then posting <laughs> and then posting an apology piece, a very formalized, like a lawyer drafted apology piece. Um, 
boy, that yeah, it's honestly, it's it's at least top three moments, if not my favorite moment. So it, so kudos to to Sarah for uh, just putting all of that together, <laughs> making making all of that in the brain, and then letting us all enjoy it with media because that is that's absolutely the stuff I live for. Um, it, that's it's those interactions that keep me coming back to the the forums and and discord and, and engaging with people because that's just stuff I I'm not creative well I wouldn't say I'm not creative enough but I just I don't have those thoughts sometimes sometimes I have creative thoughts but it, you know other people have creative ones too that I wouldn't have thought of so it's really cool to see those interactions and keeping the narrative going oh it's uh, so good just so, so thank you so thank you Sarah for not only being our silent crush fan podcast companion but for entertaining me. Just great stuff. I think they're a wonderful person for what they did, honestly. Yeah. Just like, I had a walk-off home run. What are you going to do about it? You can't do anything. You got eliminated. That's what I felt they were saying, and I think that's awesome. Just doubling down on the fact that they crushed another team's hopes at going to the series and just made the best of a bad situation because I was actually, I hope it's okay if I bring this up, but I was actually, I think it was a couple weeks ago, Chovy was in a real bad slump, I believe, and they were worried that they weren't going to be productive enough. And I was telling them, your time will come. You'll be a big factor on this team. And lo and behold, they ended up being a huge part in our playoff run so far. And I'm hoping with this playoff push that we made to the World Series, they will keep that hot streak going. And for a hitter that only hit 255 on the season, I give the massive props for coming out, putting away putting away what frustrations they had about their lack of hitting and ripping the damn cover off the ball. That's fantastic. You cannot say it any other way. They break out of the slump. They go, they're on fire all series long and they're the ones to end the series on a high note. I think that's beautiful poetic justice. And just to rub with a little salt in the wound, Anchovy shook off, shook it off, and hit a walk-off home run, bike drop. That's it. Can't ask for anything more than that, um, especially as a as a rookie. That's just a just a great moment and a great. Hopefully, it continues. Yeah, hopefully you guys continue this insane run and take it all the way to the house. But uh, yeah, that's. I think that'll do it. I think that's. We've covered the stuff, and we've just hit that sweet, sweet hour mark. Uh, did you have any parting thoughts, Sports Ghost? Well, it was a pleasure being on here. I was running late, and I felt like I was. I was gonna be disappointed that I missed this, but just being on here for an hour talking about how great this league, this team, how great the moment was. If you had told me a couple months ago that I was doing this and I would be in this situation right now talking about how great this 
Chicago Kingpins team was. Honestly, I would not have it any other way. These teammates of mine have been nothing but wonderful, and I'm very appreciative of everything they've done. And <clears throat> I hope we bring a series championship of any kind to these kingpins and their franchise who has been long suffering let's break the curse we'll do it tomorrow i love it yeah it's been it's been nice to get to know you and uh, again just a great class of rookies uh, can't shout out dag and moosey enough for for getting you guys together and uh, it's been fun to to interact with all of you guys i look forward to continuing the interactions hopefully at least next season for most of you guys, if not further on. But, um, yeah, thanks thanks for, for being here. And, and thanks to those of you who listened. Um, I know our dozens of fans are always waiting for the latest edition. Shout-outs to, uh, to Schoolboy Shoe. Happy birthday. And um, Hummus Man, uh, remember that you're just a man. And uh, special <laughs> thanks as well to... Uh, to Sarah for being our silent companion. Uh, that'll do it for us tonight, and I'll see you on the field. Take care.